G'day guys and welcome back to Karate Over Coffee. My name is Shane and today I've got a very special returning guest, my first returning guest, Joe Swift. G'day buddy. Hey Shane, now, what's new? Well normally this is Karate Over Coffee but uh, it is 9.30pm my time, 8.30pm your time and yep. we obviously we cannot have a coffee although we were just talking about a fantastic Okinawan drink that has coffee and aomori, espresso and an aomori. So we were. If I'd known about that before, maybe we could have had one of those, but uh, it's too late for an espresso martini for me. Otherwise, (laughs) I'll be up all night. But um, so, mate, um, just for everybody at home, if if listening, if you you missed out, there's a couple of older um, episodes with Joe and myself. Um, otherwise, Joe, do you want to give us a quick rundown on your uh, background and specifically the your Ryukyu Kobudo background and because that's what we're talking about tonight? Sure thing. Uh, Joe Swift from a small town in New York, population 500, well, 499 because I left. Uh, sorry, <laughs> use that joke all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I started training in... Uh, uh, Kobudo actually through my first karate instructor. Uh, we did a system called Ishindu, which includes Kobudo as part of the overall curriculum. Yeah. So Bosai, Tonfa, Nunjaku, that stuff. Uh, so I probably got my first lesson in Bo in around 1987-ish. Uh, moved to Japan in 1994, uh, where I went to university in Osaka. Mm-hmm. And they had a club, an after-school club, that did Shorin Ryu Karate and the Ryukyu Kobujutsu lineage of Inoue Sensei, uh, who is one of the direct students of Taira Shinken, uh, the founder of what we call Ryukyu Kobudo now. Yep. Uh, 1995, I graduated, moved to a town called Kanazawa, uh, joined the Mushinkan, where I'm still there, learned a variety of uh, martial arts, including picking up some more Okinawan weaponry, uh, I've also studied under several different instructors at seminars or one-on-one lessons, you know, private instruction, mm-hmm. uh, getting lessons in the guy's living room, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, I'm here in Tokyo where we run a class every Sunday morning uh, made, that focuses on Okinawan weaponry. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So... The, so what we're going to talk about tonight is like I've got a lot of questions about the about Kobudo, Ryukyu Kobudo. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break down um, just a couple of what is that? I don't want to say myths, but um, things that we don't as Westerners don't know too much about. Maybe we're too embarrassed to ask these questions, or there's just not enough literature, and just like karate, maybe we we are wanting to believe more than what is real um so <laughs> where do we start um what okay okay so if we're talking about corridor yep um the english translation for corridor is ancient, ancient martial, martial arts martial yep. arts yeah yeah um so old martial arts old martial ways you know yep yeah, it's it's basically the word for old attached to the word for martial arts. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what what is considered so in Japan, 
Kobodo is not mm-hmm. what we, what I would refer to as Kobodo. Kobodo for me would be Okinawan weapons or Ryukyu yeah. weapons. But in Japan, Kobodo is older style, like a jujitsu uh, or previous jujitsu, jujutsu. That am I heading in the yeah. right direction there? Um, yes. So, uh, what most karate guys imagine when they hear the word kobudo is what is more formally referred to as gyukyu kobudo or okinawa kobudo and that's a an umbrella term that was uh popularized probably around the 1920s also gyukyu kobujutsu okinawa kobujutsu but uh hey popularized around the 1920s by a guy named yabiku moden and further promoted and uh kind of collected by his top student, Taira Shinken. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you have the Matayoshi family, who is uh, a different line of weaponry, although there's some overlap in the training histories and, and the weapons and the, the kata. But uh, uh, so what the average karate guy would imagine when he hears kobudo is the weapons like, I don't know, the sai, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, bow, nunchaku, tonfao, all that stuff. So that's that's a... A specific uh, word, Ryukyu Kobudo, we have to add the uh, prefix that in order for it to uh, kind of be specified out of the generic term Kobudo in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Now, Kobudo in Japanese is a, again, an umbrella term that means uh, basically it's used to refer to the martial arts of the samurai class that were practiced up to and until the Meiji Restoration, and that formed the basis for the modern martial arts like Judo, Kendo, Aikido, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're talking sword arts, you know, pole arms, horse riding, musketry, jujitsu, you know, grappling, striking, mm-hmm. all that stuff, shuriken, you know, all the fun stuff. So if you say kobudo in Japanese, this is probably what people would generally assume you're talking about. Unless you specifically say Ryukyu or Okinawa Kobudo. So do you use the term Ryukyu Kobudo more so than Okinawan Kobudo because of when um, that Kobudo was used, as in it wasn't not, Okinawan? Not really, not really. I use it just because the majority of my training, except for a lot of the Bojutsu, came from the Taira Shinken lineage. Mm-hmm. And his stuff is called Ryukyu Kobudo as a, a style or a, a lineage. And Okinawa Kobudo is used in Okinawa generally to refer specifically to the Matayoshi line. So their their organization is the Okinawa Kobudo Federation. Mm-hmm. And they use the word Okinawa to differentiate it from the Taira guys. So uh, if you're talking to a modern Okinawan karateist, and you say Okinawa Kobudo, they think you're talking about Matayoshi. Right. Okay. Yep. Specifically. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. There's a, a just a, a logistical reason that I use that term rather than Okinawa. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Awesome. Yep. Um, so, what about if we're looking at uh, a timeline? Mm hmm. And what what weapons came in when where um, do you want to break it down by weapon by weapon or a time frame? Uh, goodness, <laughs> um, the shorter answer is uh, it's anybody's oh. guess. 
<laughs> okay. Yep. But the 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 long winded answer is we can make some educated hypotheses about some of the weapons. Yep. I mean, obviously the bow is old. It's, I mean, bow juice has been around ever since the first caveman picked up a stick and whacked the other guy over the head with it. Yep. If you look at it in that that way, uh, but, Sai is probably uh, relatively old. But did did that caveman? What is he? His left hand or his right hand that turned it? That's see, we'd we'd have to trace um, it back to there. We we would. Uh, however, if we look at uh, human history, uh, not counting the centuries where almost every single culture forced lefties to be righties, mm-hmm. uh, Japan true. also included in that. Uh, isn't it something like seventy to eighty percent of the world is right-handed anyway? Well, I think it's probably like a dominant. Yeah, like 80, 85, 90. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh most likely he was using his right hand to whack the guy with the stick. Mm. Well, a, a lot of a lot of Kobudo is uh Riku Kobudo is right handed. Yes. Right? Geared towards the right hand. Just like uh most of karate is. Mm, yeah. Just like most of Japanese martial arts are. Mm, mm. Uh this may harken back, I mean, to some extent, to the fact that uh, as soon as you're born, you were forced to be right-handed, even if you're not. Yep. And everything revolved around having your sword on the left-hand side of your body. Yep. All of the walking, the stepping, the sitting, all of that stuff. Uh, And uh, I think the same thing holds true with the Okinawan weapons, is that uh, just because it's a right-handed world, that's just how it ended up being. Mm. Uh, two interesting things though on left versus right handed mm. uh, there's a bow kata in Ryukyu Kobudo called Yonegawa no Kon that is done on the left hand side of the body left hand dominant okay that's uh, interesting well- the, the backstory behind that I don't know if it's true or not but the backstory behind that in the Yamaniryu uh, lineage of oral histories is that a guy went to Kyushu to join the army and he learned bayonet fighting. Mm-hmm. Bayonet fighting is left hand forward, right hand back. So, Right, okay. Because it's a rifle, your trigger finger is your dominant hand. Yep. And so you're fighting left hand forward. And the guy says, you know, we should probably learn how to use the bow on the left side of the body too so that we can kind of have an easier go at bayonet fighting when our guys go join the army. And so uh, they took a consensus and they said that, okay, we're going to make Yonego and Okon our left-handed form. And they just switched it. Okay. True or not, I don't know, but that's the story that you get. It's a great story. Yeah. So if uh, so, so pragmatic if you look- reasoning uh, for having an off kata, right? So if you're talking uh, dominant right hand, so – if if you are doing kenjutsu 150 years ago and you were a left-hander, yep. too bad? Too bad. Or you could do what Miyamoto Musashi did and just fight with a sword in each hand. Okay. Because you have that left-handed dexterity built in. Yeah. Being a southpaw. Right? Yep. And you're trained to be a right-hander, so your right hand is just as strong and dexterous as your left hand. Well, uh, this is this is a little off topic, and yeah, but in cricket and mm-hmm. maybe baseball as well, a lot of players bat left-handed mm-hmm. because 
even if they are right-handed, because the right hand, and like I used uh-huh. to play cricket, is a more dominant hand, so you, you swing harder with the right. Uh-huh. So you, you actually switch and, and they bowl with their right hand and bat with their left because you get a, a stronger movement with that more dominant hand. Oh, interesting. Hmm. So, yeah. The only thing I know about baseball is how to break a bat in half of my forearm. But a book. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Uh, the, but, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to doing that with the cricket bat, but uh, yep. give me give me a couple more weeks. More week, couple more weeks of training. Sure thing. I'll send you a, a little bit of a, a hacksaw that you can kind of saw halfway through it before you do it anyway. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds great to me. Yep. Yep. Just uh, cover that part up with wood colored tape and you're good. <laughs> yes. Excellent. No. Anyway. So, yeah. So if you're doing swordsmanship 150, 200 years ago in Japan and you're born a left-handed person, too bad. Mm. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. So so is, is that equal to why in, in karate you are doing two right-hand punches and one left-hand punch if you're moving forward three, bang, 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 or two upper blocks and one, sorry, two right-hand and one left-hand, same equivalent, or or um, is that because... I, I'm not sure if that's the reason. Limited space. Uh, but the, 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 the story goes is that if you're doing kata, if you're stepping forward three times, and doing the same movement on all three steps. So, you know, like in the hand kata, you know, you go bang, 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 mm-hmm. either punches your upper blocks. Uh, that's the same as taking one step because you're ending up with the same side of the body forward as you would if you had taken one step. Yep. So the extra steps are probably there as filler or extra practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as to whether or not the reason that that hand seems to be always the right hand, not always though, not always. The Goju guys step forward with the right foot and they punch with their left hand. Yep. Then right foot, uh, sorry, yes. left foot, right hand, then. So I'm not sure if that has anything to do with how the kata was put together as far as what hand is forward. But I do know that the story you get is that, you know, what, three steps is the same as one step in, you know, actual practice as yep. to how your body changes its position. Yeah, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wonder why in Gorju it is it is right leg and left hand. Uh not about nine hours. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a a an old oral tradition, technical tradition, um, mainly passed down, I think, in the Masabayashi school, that uh, shuri as a culture being uh, predominantly uh, influenced by the ancient Japanese culture and, of course, the Chinese after that. Uh, but uh, that shuri, the stylization of shuri culture moves from the left side of the body mm. and followed by the right side of the body. That could be your... So, you know, when you do pasai, you step forward with the left foot. Yep. Then you jump in and you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, when you do Naihanshi Shodan, you cross your left foot over to the right and mm-hmm. then step out to the right. Yep. Right in the hands, the peons, you start to the left side of your body. Yep. As the first movement, and so things like this, kind of a stylization of of the 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 movement culture of the shuri uh, gentry that were doing the martial arts. 
just you know, just as like the stylized thing. So you know, yeah. Saison. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you okay. Guys have it's, a left, it's left or right. Yep. Sure. So so the shooty versions of Saison. Start they step the forward the left foot. Yeah, right? that's right. The the Naha versions, and I hate using those terms, but we'll sure. use them as shorthand. Sets for the the right foot. Yep. Uh, which which came first, the the left or the right? We can deduce probably uh, that the shooty guys mm. took the prototype and changed it from right foot to left foot to be in line with their movement principles and movement culture. Uh, and they would have had a reason to change it from left to right. Mm. Whereas if it started out the left, the Goju guys don't really have a good historical slash cultural reason to change it to the right foot forward. Mm. Okay. So well, in, I- in practice, it was probably right foot forward when the prototype form was imported from China. And then the guys who were doing the left stuff first, the left movement first. Yep. I've got a theory. Change it to the left. I've got a theory there because if you're left leg forward and you're hitting with your right hand, mm-hmm. my my sensei sensei says uh, the Kinjo said Kinjo Hiroshi sensei said there's no gyakuzuki, there's no reverse punch in karate, so that right. that hand would be oizuki punch. So you're punching with your dominant hand, which is your, you're going to be your right hand if your left leg is forward. So you punch in and and step. So if you had your right hand, mm-hmm. right leg forward, then it'd have to be your dominant hand, which is your right hand, and then all of a sudden it becomes uh, oizuki two, but off your front hand. If that makes any sense. So maybe yep. if your if your oizuki is is your style, which is a lot of shooty is oizuki, um, yep. chasing punch. Well, if you're um, you're gonna get really close to all of karate, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, it it could be very well could be. Uh, the guys that I train with say it doesn't matter what what uh foot or hand is forward, punch from where you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Be able sure. to be able to throw your fastest, strongest punch from exactly where you are without yep. having to change anything up before you hit your punch. Yes, but as a training method, as a as a, mm. as a training method, yep, uh, that could be very well uh, just preparing for the thing. But if you look at how Seisan is done mm. in those schools, it, it is done off the back leg, the punch. Right? Yep. yep, yep. So, well, I think all, I think there's there's so much Gekuzuki um, mm. or reverse punch now in modern karate. That it has become part of karate. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Now, the guys that I train with in the 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 shorting based stuff, uh, when they say there's no reverse punch, they're talking specifically about the JKA, plant mm-hmm. your feet, twist your entire body, and get that big hip motion. Yeah. And then finally, your punch goes out at the end. They're yep. specifically talking about that type of motion. Yes. Yep. They're not necessarily talking about you don't punch with the rear hand but it's not what everybody imagines when they hear the word reverse punch yeah 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 right that, that makes sense so uh, you can do an oizuki type 
thing off the back leg if your footwork is uh, where it needs to be for that particular instance. Yes. And I'm not even talking about stepping, right? Uh, you can use things like the knee release and all of that jazz uh, to get that the Oizuki type power into a short mm. punch off your back leg yep. if that's where the guy is. So, you know, uh, you know stuff like this. Uh, but I think, uh, how do we get on this? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just um, Komodo. Ryukyu Komodo. No, but what started this particular line of uh, uh, why is why do so many of the shooty kata start with the left hand? Okay, yeah, or left foot. It's a basically I understand it as it's a stylization of the movement culture of shooty, and it just kind of s- filtered through everything that you did. Mm, okay, uh, well, and not that it really has a big a big thing, but I mean. I I see the the first two steps in passai so left foot forward then a big step with the right foot as uh the the running cut from Jigendu so mm, yeah as far as the footwork is concerned so you want to end up with your right foot forward sure so that you get you you get the get big the slash slice. yeah right yeah uh and how better do that start with your left foot <laughs> yeah because you have we well, have and then one bang, bang. yeah one, one slice yeah yeah um as far as like the the inspiration as to why it was done that that particular way left and right for, not, for not the, yeah, yeah 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 so i mean and i'm not to say that uh you know karate was developed to fight against the samurai mm-hmm uh, it was developed based on the stuff that the Dukyuns were learning from the Satsuma Samurai and even earlier, as far as, as Japanese swordsmanship is concerned, infused with some Kung Fu. Yeah, for one of a better word, but yep. You got to have both, right? Yep. yep. Otherwise, you don't have Karate. Karate is not Kung Fu and Karate is not Japanese sword, but it's kind of a blending of the principles of the two. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of filtered down throughout history, and now we have what we have, and it's probably a mere shadow of its former self in one regard. But it's also gone on to new great heights that the past masters never thought of. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Probably shocked to see what we're doing now, that's for sure. I don't know. (laughs) They might be happy with it. Uh, Not if they watch the last Olympics, but anyway. um... (laughs) Uh, that's a, that's uh, I need a little bit more Aomori before we start talking about the Olympics. But. No, no, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, oh, we, we were supposed to catch up uh, during mm. both of those uh, 2020 and 2021 Olympic failed yes. bids. I was had everything go all sorted. I was in um, I was in Tokyo for ten days. It was going to be, but alas, um, wasn't meant to be. So yep. the the last time I saw you face to face, like it, for real, real, was 2006. Oh my goodness! <laughs> mm. um, but I'm hoping to be over there. It's in almost April. twenty years ago. I know, mate. I know it's nuts. And I look You're the same. You're a young whippersnapper. I still am. I'm looking sharp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for yourself, geez, gone downhill. Yeah. But um, yeah. I know. Now <laughs> <laughs> back to Kobudo. Oh yes, that's what we're here to talk about. Um, yeah. Well, the weapons. Uh, what is what is a legitimate Ryukyu Koburo weapon and what is uh, imported from 
other areas around Asia. So bow, we know that's uh, how we that's how we started. Bow is yep. every, every bow is is in every culture. Right? Yep, every civilization, every culture. And I think the rest of what we see in Ryukyu Kobudo mm. has an analog weapon in China and so in some cases Southeast Asia as well. Mm. I mean, the Sai obviously is an import from China. Yep. I say obviously, but it should be obvious by now. It's not, it's not your, your, uh, what do you call the, what are they trying to say? It was before you, you kind of dig your furrow and you poke holes in the dirt and then you oh, plant yeah, your seeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's obviously, there are sai in China. Yeah, I, I think and he... there's a photograph of cops in the 1800s in China yeah. using the sai as kind of a side arm type thing. Yeah, yeah. I think when when you say obviously, I think obviously is for you and sometimes me, but not for mm-hmm. everybody listening. Right. Um, so some some people listening may have no idea that sai right. is not a. a a tool, a truncheon tool for digging, it is not. Yeah. If you look at the Sai, uh, there's an analog weapon in Chinese martial arts called the Iron Ruler. Mm. Now, Joe, I have some to... of them, some of them are bladed. I have to remind some you, this is this is a podcast, so nobody's actually seeing the video. Oh, <laughs> so, so Joe, <laughs> Joe's holding up a Sai. But yeah, this so is a podcast. It looks like this. Um, have you ever heard of a Japanese weapon called the Jute? Yes. It looks like a Sai with one half. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And the prong is actually a lot narrower to the shaft than the Sai is. Yep. Uh, that was used by the Edo era Japanese police. Okay. As their, we call them weapons, but uh, we'll call them tools, like implements of the job. Mm. Uh, basically, if you flashed a jute, as a Japanese street cop in the Edo era, or you flashed a Sai as a Yukuan cop, that was like you're showing your credentials, you're showing your badge. Right. Yep. Okay. And and the guys are expected to show deference to that badge, kind of like today, right? Mm. Uh, some people didn't, so they got trounced. <laughs> kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. like today. <laughs> um, uh, the the jute is the narrower position of the prong to the shaft. Uh, indicates that it would be used as a kind of sword disarming or anti-sword defense. Not like we think like the guy comes with a big slash and you kind of block it and slide it between the shaft and the thing. Mm. You'll get you'll get cut in half if you try to do that. Yep. But as the guy's trying to pull his sword out, you, you jam, jam your jute yeah. down and prevent him from pulling it out. Yep. Some things like this. The Okinawan Sai and the Chinese uh Sai, i.e. the the iron ruler. If we're talking about their use as a law enforcement implement and not a weapon per se, you know, to inflict damage and, and kill somebody, the width of the the prongs versus the shaft, guess what fits exactly in there? Just uh, guess. Nantaku. I know they can't see this, but Shane. Yep. Uh, your wrists, two wrists, your right, wrists. yep. I, they could have doubled as handcuffs, and some of the yeah. the schools in Okinawa kind of teach that, you know, as a historical curiosity right. that you could use it as as handcuffs. Uh, but uh, all right, I'm not going to use the word obviously, but there is trust me, no, don't even trust me. Go Google it. There are analog weapons to the side in 
China, especially in southern China, where there's historical photographic evidence that they were also used by law enforcement. Mm. There's an Indonesian uh, Sai uh, that you can see on YouTube. There's some guys doing some Sai, Indonesian, you know, Pentax, so that guy's doing Sai and stuff. Well, Sai-like weapons. So uh, we can probably safely assume that the Sai is an import. Yep. Uh, what else do we have? Tomf- the Tomf- Tomf- is probably... The, okay, Tonfa. Yep. Tonfa has analog weapons in China and Thailand. Yep. Both of which we know had trading uh, relations with the Ryukyu Kingdom uh, back when that was still a thing. Uh, so this is most likely an import. And uh, I'll get in trouble for saying it this way, but it's probably a poor fanboy edition of a Chinese weapon that somebody saw once. <laughs> <laughs> and so, there's an well- interesting video that I saw on YouTube. I forgot whose channel it was on, but uh, it was a, I think it was a five ancestors fist guy in uh, Fujian doing a Tonfa form. Okay. That was interesting. Uh, and the the shape and size of the Tonfa was very similar to what we're used to in uh, Karate yep. or Yukyu Kobodo. Okay. But uh, the, the, the Thai one has yep. got uh, a couple it's of got, little rope uh, ropes yeah. around it. Is it, and it's got two handles. Two handles, yeah, that's right. Yes, you yes, grab yes. the inside handle. The 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 handle on the outside of your fist is used to defend, so it, you can't spin it, right? Yep. And then the the ropes, I believe, are to keep it attached to your elbow. Yep. So you so you jamming. So I think it's more of a more yeah, of yep. a deflection and maybe an elbow smash type thingy. Yeah. Plus you can, you can punch with it. Yeah. Punch with it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I think it was a bit longer than the Okinawan Tonfa as far as the the part that sticks out from the elbow. Yep. I'm not sure on that. I'd have to go back and look at them again, but uh, that's my impression anyway. So that, you know, Muay Thai has all those big elbows they come in with. So why not do it with a piece of wood instead of your elbow? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I would say that the Muay Thai elbows are sharper now than the, than the wood. Yeah. Now. Uh, the... the uh, what do you call those things? The Thai style tonfa that Hokama Sensei has in his dojo, they're pointed on the ends. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. So, poking and slashing mm. uh, rather than just blunt force trauma. Yep. Okay. That's cool. That was neat. Yep. Uh, nunchaku. Nunchaku. Nunchakers. Um, nunchucks. Nunchakers. Yeah. Uh, there are, of course, multi. Multi sectional staves in Chinese martial arts since, you know, the dawn of time, probably. Yeah. Probably not that back far. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's a two sectional staff, long, short, metal, mm-hmm. wood, chain, rope, whatever, in whatever configuration. Uh, I, the, the uh, story in Okinawan martial arts is that it was the, the, uh, the thing, the bridle for the horse. Oh yeah, bridle. yes, the horse bridle, yes. Um I'm I'm sure why not, but I don't really see it outside of the generic shape that the Okinawan bridle is in. Uh I mean I I'd be more comfortable uh going with the idea that it's an import that was modified in Okinawa for the local environment. Mm. I you don't have a lot of uh you can't get a lot of iron ore in the Ryukyu Islands. Yep. And so uh, connecting these things by a chain probably wouldn't be 
uh, logistically uh, desirable. Yeah. So what do you do? You make a rope and you use that instead. Yeah. Um, so, so do yeah. you think at what stage did those stories become real or those stories stories um, become part of karate history as in like that was a horse bridle the tonfa i somebody i the, heard the, it the, the handle grinding of, rice. of the grindstone yes uh, yes grinding yes. yeah all the, the, all that handle sort of, of the millstone um i've seen i think uh fumio demura mm-hmm. the the father of dukyu kobudo in the us basically the real karate kid i oh, know the real mr miyagi yes. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, him. I think that he, even as far as back when he was writing his Nunchaku books in English, that the idea was there that it came from the bitten bridle. But I don't think that they had like photographic evidence in that particular that book. Mm. But uh, if you look at get all of the uh, Japanese language Kobudo books by. Uh, the guys in Okinawa from back from the 1980s and stuff, uh, they started to be talking, at least publishing them, these stories as far as back as the 1980s. Yep. Uh, but, you know, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, that's true. That, that I mean, is, that is maybe, right. maybe it was dual things. Maybe they saw the nunchaku and then they used the bitten bridle and said, hey, if we can kind of make this round, it was probably more useful. So basically, I, they try to that bunk, may have been, it could have been a they try yeah. to apply bunkai to modern modern karate. Oh, sorry, that's a different su- subject, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean the the fact that there are analog weapons in countries, especially China. You know, they have a vast martial culture in China, both military and civilian. Uh, with all sorts of neat-looking weapons uh, that do have a lot of similarities to what we see in Okinawa. Mm. Now, I can name two weapons that I think are uniquely Okinawan slash Japanese. Yep. But mostly Okinawan. The Kama and the Eiku. Mm. The Kama is a Japanese-style farming sickle. Yep. And so, I mean, the the techniques we can... uh, kind of guess where they may have come from but uh japanese farming sickle i use in okinawa is obviously not an import from thailand well you can, you can actually the ID, yeah. yeah you can go to your local uh mm. 7-eleven slash little home store and buy one well, not 7-eleven but you can get them in yeah the home depots home depot yeah yeah yep. yeah um d-y-i d-y-i shops d-i-y yeah. And they are DIY cheap. Shops. Yeah. They they They're, are cheap. They are. The handles themselves aren't oak anymore. They're kind yep. of like lighter wood, but you can just take the blade off and put them onto an oak stick. Well, they're live too. It up. They are. Yes. They are. Well, they are they're they're made for they're made for cutting grass. Well, I tell you, so, um, Korea also sell them. Yeah. Because I was teaching class there, two thousand and five or whenever it was, mm-hmm. and I was explaining what the karma was and. Mm-hmm. One of the guys runs down to the shop, comes back ten minutes later with a with twenty of them, and they were like yeah. a dollar fifty each. Yep, they're um, a little bit more in Japan for the the weapon sized ones, but uh, they're like ten dollars each, maybe here. Yep. 
Whereas if you have to, yeah. if you buy Karma from Shuredo, you're paying 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the specifically Japanese design of the Okinawan Kama shows that it was most likely imported from Japan as a farming implement and not a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're all all over Japan, all over the Japanese islands. Yep. Um, and the eku is a specifically Okinawan paddle for specific types of boats. Okay. So that was uh, developed and designed in Okinawa or Ryukyu Kingdom. Technique-wise, I imagine that it was probably a stand-in for a polearm, like a halberd or something, a naginata type thing or a or a Chinese guando or, or whatever they're called. Right. The the big halberds, right? Yep. So just, um, just adapted to yeah. a different weight. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Uh so so you're saying you're not flicking sand into a samurai's eyes? Uh, you're flicking sand you could flick sand into somebody's eyes. I mean that's one of the advantages of having the flat part of the, the paddle. Sure. That can be used. I'm talking about like the 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 idea that in most of the kata a lot of the movements are slashing Slash, movements rather yeah. than whacking yeah. somebody, you know, with with a blunt uh, object. Because you've got the 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 sharp. You got that the the side. edge and yeah, and if you're edge, using yeah. that to actually paddle water with it, gets it uh, whittled down to a nice edge. So yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so we've we've got three possible so three possible. Uh, Local developments. What uh, are... team team bay? Yeah, that was my next question. Yes. Now I haven't found the exact passage yet, but there is a book of, well, we'll call it the Okinawan Genesis. So it's uh, the uh, book that details the mythological origins of the Ryukyu Islands. So the creation myth of Okinawa, mm-hmm. and it's called the. Uh, Omoro Soshi. And Omoro means like poems. And Soshi means uh, uh, basically a book of leaves or a book of grass. So basically, you know, a book. So a book of poems. And it's about the uh, origins of the Ryukyu kingdom. Inoue Motokatsu, uh, one of the pioneers of Ryukyu Kobudo on mainland Japan, Mm. wrote in his books that uh, there's a passage in the Omoro Soshi that mentions the Timbe by name. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where that passage is, what it is. Uh, any of the uh, listeners out there who might know, uh, put it down in the comments. <laughs> Looking at you, Mr. Quast. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, the Timbe... At least the kanji that was being used in 1876, sorry, 1867 in Okinawa is uh, the same as used in Chinese martial arts to represent a a shield made out of rattan. Mm. And then you have, so you have your shield so and it- then you have in your other hand, either a short spear or a, a machete, right? Oh, yep. A uh, short spear seems to be Unique to Taira's version of Ryukyu Kobudo, uh, the shield and the uh, the machete 
as found in the Mateoshi lineages, uh, seems to be analogous to a lot of uh, shield and sword arts found in China and Taiwan. Is it the turtle shell that, as well, or is it just um, the, any... The turtle shell, I think, was always just meant to be a decorative thing. Yep. Uh, I know guys who swear that if you use a turtle shell and you're doing some hard kumitesis against a boat, that thing's going to crack. Mm. Uh, it was likely an actually designed shield or if you didn't have that and you were you had your your little japanese style uh foot soldier helmet there that kind of looks like uh the straw hats uh, found throughout southeast asia by used by the farmers to keep their their faces from getting too much melanoma uh those had kind of a chin strap that you could wrap around your arm as a handle and you could use that as your 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 uh your shield in a in a pinch uh there's very little little evidence of shield based martial arts in what we call kobudo in japanese so the japanese martial arts Mm. because the swords were two-handed yep and were meant to be used two-handed in most uh, cases except you know some of the modern more modern kata you know from the edo era onwards you know you had you nobody's wearing armor anymore and you're learning how to fight against a guy in street clothes yep uh there might have been some single-handed slashes or your eido and all that the uh the initial draw is single-handed but for the most part uh the shield based weapons were probably imported from china or southeast asia or somewhere like that and modified in okinawa okay uh and a lot of the a lot of these these weapons the kama and and the the bow actual naginatas you know wooden wooden replicas of course but uh timbe and and machetes are found in some of the uh the uh, festival dances in right, okinawa okay. right? yep uh that may harken back to when they were used in the past in battle uh, because you know, uh, the not you know, but there's a a couple of academic papers on the use of swords in the Ryukyu Three Kingdoms era, so the Warring States period in in Ryukyu, where they're all, all Japanese imports. They're all Japanese swords imported, mm. but some of the Okinawan soldiers or warriors would fit them with a shorter handle. They might cut off a few inches of blade to make it a little bit shorter so yep. it could be used easier with a single hand because they were wanting to use a shield in the other hand yep or okay. maybe they're on horseback and they have to hold on to the horse you know stuff like that uh, so japanese swords whittled down to be more readily useful for single-handed use yep is one of the hallmarks of swordsmanship in part of okinawa's history and we're talking, you know, before Shohashi unified the country in the 1400s. So 1500, 1400s, anyway, whatever he did that. Before that. Yeah, before that. So when you you had, you all you had was a bunch of castles and a bunch of warlords who were trying to take over the other guy's castle. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that that's another thing that may, might indicate that the team bay is a little bit older than a lot of the other weapons. Hmm. Uh, as far as uh, 
verifiable or at least uh, educated, guessifiable history of the weapons in Okinawa. But you're looking; it's more as a shield and a sword rather than the yeah, a shield and a and a and a little machete or yeah, or a short a little a little spear spear. But not not so much the turtle shell that we see today, right? Uh, I mean, if you talk to a Ryukyu Kobodo teacher in today's day and age, they'll just say that that was most likely made for decoration. And if you're going to be using it in combat, you want something a lot more sturdy than a tur- uh, than a turtle shell. Yep, you want a tortoise shell now. Yes, but uh-huh. <laughs> a bit bigger, hmm. a little bit bigger. Um, so. So if you look, if you're looking, if you're looking at, um, you know, since the '80s, that's 40 years ago. So mm-hmm. we, so now, now we know a little bit more about. It's 40 years ago. I know. I was born My then. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> um, so if we're looking at, at at that sort of time, so 40 years has has passed. Obviously, a lot mm-hmm. of more uh, information. You've got the internet. People flying yeah. in and out of Okinawa. Um, yeah. And China. In China, and there's more research into this and that. I see a, I see a shift to more Okinawan terms or Ryukyu terms, words mm-hmm. like things like shishi no kun rather than shishi no kon. Yeah, n o k o n rather than oh, sorry n u k u n. Yeah, rather than n o k o n. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about about that? Doesn't matter. Nokon, Nukon, Nukun. Um, to be honest, it doesn't really matter to me that much. They're the same exact words, just pronounced in, uh, in a different dialect. Mm. You know, so I mean, if you want to be hundred uh, percent authentic, then yes, using the Okinawan pronunciation of the kata names will probably be best. It's like pinyon versus hayon, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, basically, is all it is. It's the same same word pronounced in a different dialect. Uh, well, pinyin is actually more of the Chinese reading, so that's probably not a good example. But mm-hmm. pasai versus basai, kusenku yeah. versus kenku, uh, versus kosokun, right? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you only use the same kanji, yeah, kusanku versus kosokun. There you go. That's a uh, uh, an easy one. So, as, as I mean, as long as you know what you're talking about, and the other guys know what you're talking about. You know, uh, sure, why not? <laughs> yep. Uh, kobujutsu versus kobudo. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> you can't have one without. Just other. depends on. It just depends on what word you want to use to represent what you're doing. Mm. Uh, I mean, the whole do versus jutsu is not a. Uh, what's the? Uh, it's not a binary thing. It's not one or the other. It's both and everything in between. And uh, this kind of dichotomy goes back even into the Edo era and probably even further back in Japanese martial arts history. Uh, you know, you you have your guys, oh, you just do the jutsu part. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just do the dope. Uh, well, judo versus jujitsu. You find me a Koryu jujitsu guy who unarmed could defeat a judo competitor. Yep. 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 In, uh, under certain rules, right? Under the judo rules, you know. Uh, just because it has do in the name doesn't mean that 
it doesn't produce the the technical background behind it. Mm-hmm. And just because it has jutsu into the name doesn't mean that it has uh, the the kind of framework that tries to guide the practitioner along a way of life that doesn't bring, you know, down calamity on on <laughs> right themselves in their country. Yep. Uh, so, so whatever what, you want to call it, whatever man. you're comfortable with. <laughs> yep. Yep. As long as, long as I myself, mm. I myself use the word Ryukyu Den Kobujutsu to describe the weapons portion of the curriculum at the Mushinkan Tokyo branch. And this is just because my first encounter with the Okinawan weapons, the teachers always called it Ryukyu Kobujutsu. Mm-hmm. So I just kept it. Yep. I put the den because I like the old version of that kanji. It's really cool looking. What is what is den? Uh, den den means uh, it's the, the kanji that means to transmit uh, knowledge or something. If you if we're going to be using it in a modern Japanese word, not even a modern Japanese word, but if you're going to leave a message for somebody on the phone or you write them a note and stick it in their mailbox when they're not home when they answer your doorbell, that's called a dengon, which means a message. Mm-hmm. Gon means like words. So here's the words that I'm transmitting to you. Yep, yep. <laughs> I.e., you know, here's here's my voicemail. Uh, uh as in uh, kuden. Yeah, kuden yep. or koden, old, yep. old style, blah blah blah. Kuden, oral transmission. Yep. Yes. Okay. Same same word. Yep. Same same word. Same kanji. I just like the the pre Meiji version. Like the old, really old Chinese style of writing it, because it okay. just looks really cool. <laughs> as, as long as you're happy with it, man. <laughs> right. If there's uh, a but I'm, there when a... I'm talking to people in English, I just call it kobudo, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So especially if they're karate guys, then they know I mean Okinawan weapons. But yeah. Right. If, but if you're talking to somebody from Japan who doesn't do karate, you're you call I call it, it I just I just I I shorthand the Ryukyu Kobudo Ryukyu Kobujutsu. Yeah. Mm, okay. And okay, well does the average does the average Japanese person know what you're talking about if you say Ryukyu Kobudo? No. <laughs> okay. The average Japanese person assumes Kyokushin when you say the word karate so. Oh, okay. Yeah. They assume Kyokushin. Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Not when you consider that they had one of the biggest uh, pools of martial arts students in the 70s and 80s in Japan. What? What? Hey, can you Kyokushin was, that? Yeah, Kyokushin was the biggest karate system in all of Japan in the 70s and 80s. Really? Yeah. Okay. Jeez, I would have thought it would be Shotokan. Nope. And your average Japanese person bought hook, line, and sinker, the Kyokushin uh, advertising that they're the strongest karate and, you know, Shorokan and all those guys, they don't even hit each other, man. How can they be tough? Well, that, that whole that whole thing. I mean, that started in Japan in the 1970s. Are you going to tell somebody who does Kyokushin that they're not tough? Because no. you're on your own, man. No, <laughs> I'm not going to. In fact, we have several ex-Kyokushin guys training with us. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've got a Kyokushin guy training. He's a he was a black black belt, and when we started mm-hmm. doing kumite, mm-hmm. 
um, I just kept punching his face. He didn't mm-hmm. like it. Didn't like it. Nope. Uh, but then he was chopping at my legs. So you know, it's, yeah, you didn't like that either. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. No. Right. Um, but actually, that that anyway, does bring me yeah. to the, this next point. We yep. we were talking about it uh, previously, but the kumi kumi part of bujitsu or mm-hmm. saijitsu or kobudo, you've got um, so as far as I can see, bow versus bow, bow versus sai, they yep. are they are uh, modern interpretations, modern creations. It seems that way because it looks like, uh, if you look at the Taira lineage anyway, uh, there were no real fighting sets. There was just the kata, mm. uh, which, at least for the bow, right? Uh, the sai, uh, I've got some thoughts about sai kata that probably won't win me any new friends, but, mm. and the rest of the kata, you know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced of the historicity of the tonfai and the kamakata anyway. But uh, well, to but, be but fair, when, but every everything is made up, everything is created. Yeah, yeah. But so, I'm talking about the actual historicity of it. Yep. E- even if you put a, a guy's name on it who lived 200 years ago, doesn't mean that that guy made the kata. Sure. I can make a kata right now and call it, you know, Sakugawa no Sai, and say that it's been passed down from up from upon high. Okay. Uh, but uh. And and there's there's various reasons that we can get into later if you want to about why I'm not really convinced that most of the Kobudo kata are as old as they're claimed. Uh, but the the students of Taira Shinken, you know, Akamine Sensei, uh, Mario's teacher Minoa Sensei, mm-hmm. I think they all to a T said that Taira had. I think he said they he had a couple of application type practices for sakugo no kon and then they all work together to create a set of 10 bow versus size uh you know one steps yep okay uh so it seems like the what we have now in all of the different schools of kobudo that pair weapons against weapons in fighting sets were uh innovated in the modern times just pre-war and a lot of them probably post world war ii I'm just guessing on those dates, but that's yep. what it seems. Yeah. Okay. Well, so do you think they they were created as a as a filler, as a way for to to keep practicing in? Um, I mean, you could say the same for the JKA three step, five step kumi. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um. So the the weapons, uh, it really depends. I think if the kata were built by somebody who had a working knowledge of the weapon, i.e. its actual application in combative practice, either through learning from other systems how to apply a similar weapon and then applying that to what you have in your hands now in terms of sai and bow, or uh, somebody who got into a lot of fights with with weapons, <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, or is it done... Uh, to have something that looks really cool at demonstrations. Yeah. And I've heard of both types of forms, uh, forms, uh, uh, fighting sets being excellent in Okinawa in like the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, so, for example, the Inoue 
Ryukyu Kobujutsu, they have uh, one steps and they have longer two person fighting forms for all of the weapons. Yep. Uh, it's always bow versus another weapon, mm. except when it isn't. So the <laughs> nunchaku, it's it's a knife, right? Uh, yep. But everything else is basically versus a bow. Um, and Inoue Sensei, we know, uh, was also a big uh, proponent of classical Japanese martial arts. So Japanese kobudo, you know, sword, you know, Japanese staff fighting, all of that. So he used his knowledge of how Japanese kobudo kata, they're all two-person kata, right? Japanese kobudo. Yep. Uh, they're not solo. How those how those work and were put together to right. formulate sets for his Gyukyu kobujutsu. Okay, hang on. So when you're talking about Japanese kobudo, yep. are you referring to Jap- as in... Mainland Japanese yeah. ancient martial arts. Yep. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yes. 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 Good. So there so were sword, all... spear, halberd, there were archery, two... uh, jujitsu. There were two. There, there, there's, there's only I've only found three exceptions. Well, well, two if you want to get it that that down. Iaido. Yep. So ei, ei jutsu if you were, you prefer, is a solo endeavor. Yep. But they do have a two person form of the drill that you can do with wooden swords so you don't kill each other. Yep. Um and projectile weapons. Yep. Archery, shuriken, uh muskets. You can't do those as a two-person form. <laughs> Would love to see it. Yeah. Only once. You could only do it once. Yep. Depending on the so, game. Uh so the other weapons and the empty hand stuff is yep. a two-person form. Uh you have long ones, you have short ones. You know, the short ones are like most of the jujitsu forms. The guy grabs you and you do a move on him and it's done. But it's done as a form. Yep. It's not done as like, we'll try it this way and we'll try it that way until you have the form down. And then you, the guy starts saying, if you mess up, he'll like poking the ribs with a wooden knife or something. <laughs> Say you messed Just up. Fun. Something like that. But uh, okay. yeah, so uh, I think Inoue, Inoue Motokatsu's Kumite sets, I think are of the, a lot of them anyway are from a guy who knew how weapons, two-person weapons forms work and was able to create sets for the Ryukyu Kobujutsu uh, weapons. Okay. On the other hand, uh, the style I used to study, Ishindu, the bow versus bow and the bow versus sai forms that are done now, even in Okinawa for part of the, the Dan grading, were created by U.S. servicemen to have something to really cool to have at demonstrations. They were yes. signed off by the master yep. and they were brought into the curriculum. But uh, if you kind of look at how some of the, the moves are done uh, and you have you know, experience in weaponry and kind of pressure testing, that type of, of, of thing, some of the moves don't really make a whole lot of sense in the context that they're trying to be presented as. Mm. But then again, who's going to use the Psy in a real fight in 2023 anyway? Well, you, because you're car- you're currently holding one, so mm. hopefully somebody breaks into your house shortly and <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Have you obviously you've seen uh, this word? Obviously, when did obviously become obviously an obvious word? But um, yes, um, so I may have seen. 
you you may you may have seen. I know you have because we spoke about it. But mm-hmm. uh, bow versus bow with the safety gear, uh, like it's a what, yeah. What was it called? Um, no set, Bogu? just kumi. Yeah, with bo- bogu. Oh, it's just called kumite. Kumite. Yeah. Is is it really kumite or is it kumi bo? Because it's not kumite. It's not. Fist. I'm not. I'm, um, I'm not going. I'm not going to go against native speakers of the Japanese language about Japanese word usage. If they call it kumite, it's kumite. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. If you want to be specific and pedantic, it can be kumibo. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, a, yeah, few, yeah. a few years anyway. ago, we we did talk about what te te doesn't necessarily have to always mean mm. Mm, fist. It can mean system yeah, yeah. or it, your it, techniques. It, it right? means. Techniques or skills? Yeah, skills. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, fair enough. So, so it is sure, kumite. As long as you, as long as you call it bojutsu kumite, everybody knows that you're fighting with a stick. Fair, fair call. If if they if they know those Japanese words, right? Okay. So here, um, and, he, here's a question for you then. Yep. Why isn't it referred to as konjutsu? If we're going to use the Okinawan word for bow, for ball, why aren't we using konjutsu? Because nobody ever called it konjutsu outside of the Chinese language. So why are we why are we still calling it ten rinokon shishi no kon and not shishi no bow? Hmm. I think that might be part of the Chinese heritage to use the Chinese word kon. Yep. In the kata names, but the stick itself is generally referred to as a bow in the Japanese language, and and. Wait, I'll even do even better. There are some bow kata in the Okinawa martial arts that use the word bow instead of kon in the name. Okay. Well, there you go. But n- not all of them. Um, the uh, the uh, konjutsu sounds strange to me, so I'm cool with bojutsu. Yeah. All right. It's it's just easier to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For me, anyway. Um, but uh, so that particular brand of uh bow fighting. If you're talking about the one that's been uh, on YouTube for the past few years, yeah, yeah, at, at various tournaments in Japan, yes, uh, that was that particular rule set. I mean, everybody's experimented with it, and nobody really ever got it to take off. Yeah, as a, a competitive format, uh, mainly because the uh, the equipment is so darn expensive. Mm. Um, anyway, well, so that particular rule set was created by. Uh, good friends of mine who teach Uechidu and Yukyu Kobodo out in Chiba, uh, which is uh, the prefecture next to. So if you imagine Tokyo is New York, Chiba would be Pennsylvania. Or yeah. uh, no, not Pennsylvania. Maybe more like New Hampshire. Yeah, anyway, I, I know where Chiba is. That's where, that's where my sensei is. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes. Uh, so, well, anyway, so yeah. they, they, they created this format. Yep. And uh, they had tournaments on it uh, under their, you know, their organization auspices. Uh, and starting, we had to skip one, so it'll be seven years ago. It was brought in as an official uh, event at the All Japan Ryukyu Kobudo Federation Championships that we do once a year. Uh, they've started that particular rule set in Okinawa as well at the World Ryukyu Kobudo Championships. Uh, that I'm going down actually in December to referee at. 
because uh, they don't have enough referees for the Kumite part yet in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Just, so, getting the, just getting the yeah. whoever they can get now, are they? Yeah. Well, no, because the <laughs> the uh, All Japan Yukio Kobudo Federation uh, is a co-sponsor of that particular tournament, uh, and they're pay they they every year they bring down three referees and uh, one or two, uh, you know, uh, upper echelon guys down to uh you know uh help them run the tournament on on the uh, uh the operational side right mm-hmm. yep um so anyway so basically it's a long shinai uh with rubber uh sorry not rubber uh leather caps on both ends well leather is it okay yep. Uh, and you are wearing basically they recommend to get the taihojutsu uh armor taihojutsu is the modern japanese police martial art mm-hmm. so it's a it's it's not as sturdy as a kendo as the kendo gear is almost good enough for kendo but not quite but it's like half price of a kendo gear so the the helmet and the 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 body for that yep. kendo gloves yep and whatever you want to wear on your shins, be them naginata shin guards or just regular old karate kumite shin guards, you know, the thick rubber ones. Yep. And anywhere there's armor, you can hit. Yes. If you get really closer, if you lose grip of your bow, you can punch the guy. If you make good contact on the punch, you can get half a point. You can kick the guy for half a point uh, if you're in that particular thing. Uh, so, uh, it's not just using the stick. It's if you drop your stick, you can still kick and punch and hope hopefully get there before the guy hits you with his bow. <laughs> so, but uh yeah. So how do you how do you win? Uh points. They're cha- six points basically. So six points, okay. so six hits. Okay. Six clean hits that at least three of the judges saw. Yep, okay. Um and and where are the striking zones? Uh, anywhere there's armor. So the head, anywhere there's armor. Okay, yep. Neck, throat, the front and sides of the body, the forearms and the shins. Okay. If your strike lands on a place where there's no armor, uh, you get a warning and then a penalty point. Okay. For the second offense, yeah. Yep. That that's all, and of course, in the name of safety. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you done it yourself? Yes. Ooh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did it at the uh, Mushikan Hombu uh, okay. as well. Yep. Uh, several years ago, we just tried it once because they had the the armor and everything. They were gonna do it, but it never got off the ground. But they had the armor and the stuff, so we just, you know, one day when Sensei's not there, we just put it on and whacked the heck out of each other. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, no real format to the whole thing, but uh, the competitive format I've done in training. I haven't actually competed in it, but I've I've trained it uh, with the guys who are going for competition, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've done that at my dojo, but we didn't put the uh, gear on. We're not. We didn't put the equipment on, man. We just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last man standing. Uh, it was yeah. Great night. <laughs> How many guys came back to the next day for class? Wait, well, they, have, me... they have, yeah, they haven't been back. I've had to move dojo, but anyway, Wait. it was great. They all showed up, but for some strange reason, they all had on casts over various parts <laughs> of their bodies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, look, it looks a lot of fun. I'll, like uh, I haven't seen it here in Australia as yet, so uh, yeah, 
I might be might be the first. I might import some some gear and yep. Go I for mean, it. Uh, there's a kids version also that uses a a soft bow, and you can wear your your the kids can just wear their karate protectors. Oh, okay. Basically, that sounds, yeah, that sounds better. So for the for the kids, basically, they wanted to have. You know, because a lot of kids in Japan compete in karate tournaments as well. Mm. And so, and a lot of them do kumite. So as long as you've got your your sanctioned kumite gear, uh, you don't have to buy anything new or special. And then you just, you know, use the 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 softer bow. It's not, you know, it's kind of flimsy. Yeah. It'll make a good whack when you hit somebody with it. But if yep. you do that and the guy blocks it, it'll kind of bend over and hit the guy in the back of the head. You don't get a point for that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know, like it's all bam- for fun and safety for the kids. But like a bamboo bow, uh, not even a bamboo bow. It's uh, you know, sports chambara. No, uh, sports chambara is a, a interesting sport in Japan, where there's like a bunch of different weapons versus a bunch of different weapons. But they have weapons that were made uh, for their their fighting. They're they're kind of a cloth cover with like a firm cloth inside. Okay. You know, yep. like like imagine like a really firm teddy bear, but in the shape of a bow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it kind of seems like that. All right. Anyway, yeah. So, so when you're when you're doing the kumite there, yep. um, how much do you? So, uh, if you're doing kumite, uh, karate kumite, you know, mm-hmm. um, your your cut the techniques. Go out the window, obviously. You know, the kata and kumite are different. Um, what about kata um, kobudo or bojutsu versus mm-hmm. kumi bojutsu? Is there okay? If we're talking about the competitive format of kumite, I agree with you. Yep. In karate, uh, if yes. we're talking about, uh, I use the word kumite for all of the two-person things that we do. Just sure. Yeah. I don't want to learn a thousand different words. Yeah. 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 Um, but. Uh, uh, same thing, really. To be honest, with the uh, the competitive bow format. Yep. Although there have been guys who are trying to do like combinations from the kata. Yep. Or they'll do like a move that's obviously in the kata, uh, but just kind of taken out of context as like a one-off. Sure. So there are there are guys who are doing that, but then there's just guys who hold the end and they use it like a big long kendo stick. Okay. So it really so, depends on the individual practitioner, uh, how they view the the competition. Do they view it as a way of testing out some of the the principles and the mm-hmm. and the postures and the stuff within the kata, or do they just see it as a way to get a new gold medal for the, for the win, mandal yeah. piece, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, not knowing you, you, you would have been using it like a kendo stick trying to get that gold medal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just throw the bow down and run and push the guys probably yep. a lot faster. <laughs> just pu- punching, punching and kicking. Yeah. It's a lot do faster. You, do you step forward with the left leg or right leg? No. Now, um, the, so that, that rule set sounds fun and obviously it's pretty new. Um, yep. how long have you been running that, that type of, uh, format for? Uh, the original guys who created it within their organization had it, I think in the last five or six of their tournaments, and then it was that tournament itself was kind of merged into the All Japan Yuki Kobudo Federation tournament, uh, and so it's probably been going on 
including R&D stage, of course, yeah. uh, for the equipment and, and the rule sets, 15 years or so. Okay. That's it. Okay. Um, yeah. And what about Psy versus Psy? I'd love to see that one. They don't have it. Oh, that's man! Come on. But f- but for the kid for the kids for the kids, uh, Kobudo, you can that you can take your pick of uh you know five or six different weapons. So they have the the long bow. Mm-hmm. They have two short bows, or two short sticks like Eskrima sticks. Yep. Type thingies. Uh, you can use. Uh, they have a tonfa made out of PVC pipe and covered in rubber. Okay. They have, uh, you know, the soft nunchaku. Mm. And you can use a soft sword. Okay. And you can change your weapon once during the match if you want to. You can call timeout or like when they're calling points, say, I want to change from the bow to the nunchaku. Oh, that sounds You can do that cool. for the kids. Yeah. Ooh. And the kids love it. Yeah. Man, the kids sound like they have better rules than the adults. They do. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should be, you should have like an arsenal of weapons and you should be able to just I choose mean, whatever. I have seen rubber sigh that as long as you're you're not like purposely whacking the guy where there's no armor should give you a good uh a good weapon to work from or at least a good uh tool to work from to develop something for sai. Mm. I do remember seeing a photograph of somebody who made a sai a shinai style sai. Okay. And I think it, it was either Taita or one of his students. But I've never seen it in practice. It was just like a lone photo in a book. Okay. Yeah. Well, the that that might get a little bit dangerous if you're using live uh karma too. That would be that Oh would be yeah, fun. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, might might be a few lawsuits there. Yeah. Maybe maybe s- not yeah. Maybe not so in Japan, but if that takes off in America, oh look out. <laughs> <laughs> So where do you, where do you think the where, where do you think Kobudo competition is is heading heading to because it it is actually becoming quite well more popular now than it was say twenty years ago. Yeah, I mean twenty years ago is you didn't even have it in Japan basically except maybe like inter dojo tournaments and stuff. But yep, uh, really, I mean, uh, but I'm kind of up in the air on the whole thing to be mm. honest and i'm fun at the board meetings of the federation uh i'm kind of like the the devil whispering in the ears of everybody um <laughs> it's good for getting the word out but i'm afraid that it will go my personal opinion i'm afraid that it will go the way of modern karate and that's what it, the only thing it will become about. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yes. As a tool, as a tool, uh first and foremost, a heck of a heck of a lot of fun. Mm. Uh you get to test some of your techniques against people that you've never fought before. Or if you're doing kata, you get to do uh the kata you've been working on for the past year in front of people who don't know you from a hill of beans and try to get through it without without getting nervous and making a mistake. Yep. Uh, but and it's good, you know, for getting the word out. It's good to have like an annual thing for the kids to look forward to. But I'm still kind of wary that it's not, you know, that it might go the way of of that's all it will become about. And so, 
outside of the competitive format, the uh, the Ryukyu Kobudo Federation that uh, we founded here in Tokyo a few years back has a group, a working group of people who are looking into kind of researching things like the kata movements, uh, what the biomechanics of using that weapon would have looked like in the traditional sense, mm. uh, you know, maybe some application practices uh, so that you have the popularization front, which is the tournaments, and then you have the front to deepen the knowledge base of the Ryukyu Kobudo kata, for lack of a better word, yep. in terms of uh, the working group who's doing the kind of the technical research and stuff and the historical stuff. So, so then will and, that will that limit the amount of kata allowed? And and then you are you oh it okay the 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 kata allowed in the tournaments themselves already mm. is already limited by that highly political list that Okinawa Prefecture brought out in the 1990s mm. for their first of, I don't know how many first world championships they had in Okinawa so far, but <laughs> yeah, uh, right. there's a list. So it's only Bo and Sai. Yep. Uh, as far as the, this, the Federation's tournament is concerned. So it's a Bo division and the Sai division. And, uh, we've added a couple of kata to the list uh, for the kids who don't know traditional kata yet, but they're like learning, like, for lack of a better, like a Heian style kata for the bow or something, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, you know, for the, especially the younger kids. So uh, we've added a couple of kata to that list, uh, but it's kind of pretty much stagnant to where it started with that Okinawan tournament back in the 90s, where mm. it was first brought out. That being said, there's a guy out in Saitama, which is the New Jersey of Tokyo. Um, no offense to Saitama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who has, He runs a uh, Dukyo Kobudo tournament uh, every fall. And he's got three divisions. So he's got the bow versus bow division. So, you know, two guys do a bow cup at the same time and you... Okay, whichever yeah. guy was better and then you have the side division and then he has what is called all the rest okay so, etc you know how, so you know how uh you know there's like 20 some odd verifiable bow cut probably more there's like maybe 10 to 12 verifiable well verifiable as far back as taito shinken anyway yep uh side kata uh but for all the rest of the the weapons that you know, in the title lineage and all the other lineages, like one or two kata for each weapon, right? Yep. And that's it. And so you can't really have like a tonfa only division. Uh, the judges would fall asleep due to the lack of variety. Yeah, so they yep. said, in the third division, you can do any weapon you want. Mm. We don't care what it is. So you might have one guy doing nunchaku is the girl next to him is doing kama. Right. Okay. Or you might have somebody doing eku and somebody else doing like, you know, the long the, the the ball and chain the suruji so uh that's really interesting and i think it kind of spruces things up a bit but yeah that would be the yeah. most ex more exciting yeah. event yeah that's and that's if like you your open you can you yeah you can enter that division with your bow or saikata as well yeah 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 okay so anyway that's so that's cool yeah that was that was really i thought that was unique in how he ran that so Right. Um, what about myths? If we are, if we're uh, here, busting myths. myths. God, 
Now we'll have to finish up before two a.m. But um, yeah. what? How many? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> if we're if we're busting myths, what's what's a what's a myth? What's a couple of myths that we're, that we are apart from, you know, the where the weapons originated. Um, the use of the weapons to defeat marauding evil Japanese samurai. Mm. Oh, what? Okay, jeez. I mean, exclusives here. Yep. I mean the uh, the only technique they have for that was the flying kick to knock the guys off their horses. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. The Okinawan resistance, like the military resistance to the. Satsuma invasion in 1609 was a pitiful one at best. Mm. First, uh, because the Ryukyuans hadn't had a war for centuries. And the Satsuma were coming off centuries of warfare. Uh, right. Um, mm. The uh, the weapons that the Okinawan resistance or the, you know, the, you know, the border defense were using were Rusty old Japanese swords and spears and a couple muskets that they had laying around, I think. <laughs> so they were severely outmanned and outgunned. They weren't using Nunchaku and Tonfa to defeat these guys by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. And so after that, after that, uh, we uh, have to understand that in recent years, there's been a an influx of Edo-era documentation kind of rediscovered. Yep. Showing that uh, the Satsuma were actually teaching martial arts to the Dukuans long before Bushi Matsumura and his Jigenyu. There were yep. there's documented cases of Jigenyu practice in Okinawa as far back as probably the mid 1600s. Yep. Okay. And it was an Okinawan teaching other Okinawans. So sure. Well, I mean, there was somebody, right? Somebody's got to teach. I, uh, the palace guards uh, to look after, right? Yeah. To, uh, well, to... basically, it's kind of uh, uh, I look at it more as kind of like a self defense force type thing. Yep. So uh, the Satsuma would have provided a military uh, interference if somebody else tried to invade Dukyu, but it takes a while for them to get all the ships down there, right? Mm, yep. And so they were probably training a a garrison of self defense people. This is just a kind of a, a guess on my part, and some of or for some of it. But uh, yep. And it, it might just be some guy befriended another guy and said, "Hi, hey, like what you do? Can you teach me a shirt here?" <laughs> and that could be another uh, another possible uh, thing for for the the Dukeo martial arts. And even before that, in the fifteen nineties. Uh, you know the Sapushi, the Chinese envoys who came to coronate the Okinawan yep. kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sapushi report back to Beijing uh, after a fifteen ninety some something trip, so a decade more than a decade before Satsuma invasion. And in that report, he wrote that the locals, i.e., the Okinawans, learn calligraphy and martial arts from the Japanese. Oh, okay, yep. So we say martial arts, and we're talking about like you know pugilism and. And yep. Nunchaku, we're talking about uh, mostly like battlefield martial arts, you know, uh, archery, kenjutsu, yep. uh, spear, you know, naginata, all that stuff. Uh, and so this this kind of this kind of newly discovered documentation uh, coming out 
uh, is kind of hopefully going to to put to bed the myth that uh, the evil bad mainland Japanese samurai versus the uh, the heroic uh, lone wolf Okinawan resistance fighter to bed. They were learning a lot of their martial skills from the the Japanese samurai. Yep. Uh, here's something. Mm, uh, yep. Sorry, not to belabor the point. It's something else that I just, I just kind of hit me. We have written records of six to seven different martial arts styles, Japanese martial arts styles, like specific style names, being promulgated in Okinawa. We don't have a single written document about specific Chinese kung fu systems. I'm talking pre. Meiji, so before Higon Nakandyo and Uechi Kanbun and, and these guys with their new fangled uh, crane and tiger-based kung fu came back. Yep. I'm talking about before that era. Mm, yep. Right. So so the, the roots of what we would call the shodin or the shuri stuff today. Um anyway, uh the kung fu influence was there. Uh, but it was probably not a specific style of civilian self-defense on the Chinese side. It was most likely uh, rudimentary military training forms. Okay. And if it's rudimentary training form for the military, it doesn't have a style attached to it. And it also could explain why we can't find karate forms in China. Yeah. Because when China lost... uh, the I don't say lost. They, they kind of got shown uh, the the power of modern military during the Opium Wars and then the Boxer Rebellion. Uh, the the Chinese military kind of moved away from the traditional Kung Fu training methods and mm. old weapons and modernized, so that it, they just stopped doing it and it it just got lost of the sense of time. Right. Okay. Um. So do. You- just back to the back to Okinawa there. Do you do you think yeah. the the Okinawan government uh, had a hand in perpetuating some myths and maybe keeping that keeping that that train of thought going? Uh, my my personal uh, thought on the matter is that until recently, the Okinawan prefectural government didn't care about karate anyway. Mm. And so they just left everybody to their own devices. Uh, is only in more recent years that the prefecture has started putting money into karate. You know, building like the 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 karate kaikan, okay, uh, things like that. Uh, so that's more of a recent thing. And the let's put it this way: uh, a lot of the government workers in like these karate related sections aren't karate people themselves. Mm, yep they're not anthropologists or historians they're bureaucrats they're Mm. they're local government workers right and they're going to be transferred out in two years anyway yep and on the other hand you have this uh this uh plethora of of venerable old uh karate experts the masters Mm -hmm. the heads of styles and the heads of dojos who also are not trained historians in most parts in in most respects Mm. Uh, and the deference that is given to the experts, when I say experts, I you know the, the the guys with the physical prowess, yep, uh, but not necessarily the the historical background or even the interest to really look into the history other than the, what their sensei told them in the 1950s. 
and it's kind of a recipe for uh, not being able to correct a lot of the myths. So mm -hmm. I think it's down to, in many cases, uh, private researchers putting just putting stuff out mm. uh, for, you know, for people to think on and, and, you know, avenues to look down. That being said, there is within the karate promotion division of Okinawa Prefecture, uh, a guy who actually does historical research. And he's the guy who discovered that the hitherto thought was Itosu photo wasn't him. Right. Yes. yes and, yes. and found another photo that uh, is Probably Possibly. has a higher chance of being Itos. Yeah. Okay. We'll put it. Uh, I'm going to be very careful with my words here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't just, want to fall into that one again. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm not saying that you fell into that one again. I'm just saying nobody wants not to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, kind of be very careful. Yeah. It's probably him, but, you know, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just um, in case. So, so, and there's other guys within Okinawa who are they're publishing in the newspaper, you know, articles saying, you know, Tode Sakuga, even though the oral tradition said he went to China and he was in Beijing and he died there and they brought his boats back, he probably never even went to China. Mm. Yeah. Or if he did, if he did, it was probably as a an unknown or unnamed uh, privately funded uh, exchange student who would have stayed in Fujian for a couple of years learning politics. Mm. Uh, his name is nowhere on any of the lists of the officially uh, government-sanctioned exchange students who were sent to Beijing to learn politics and mm. administration in China. And, uh, you know, so things like this are coming out in the Okinawan newspapers and, like, giving people pause about uh what what we thought was true just because everybody said it was yeah versus what we can actually i want to say prove but what we have more evidence of being the case i mean uh if we, if i'm go out on a limb i'm going to say that probably none of the people who are said to have gone to china to train kung fu actually went to china to train kung fu yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They may have picked up some kung fu when they were there, but that was not the reason that they went. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, you know, uh, right. You know, you bef you befriend you know Jack the security guard at at, at work, and he teaches you a, a cool form. Yep. So what's this called? I don't know. It's just a cool form that we learned in the military. But I'm going to name it after you, Mister Anand. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, there there are pockets of actual research, historical and anthropological, and, and all of that re cultural anthropology research being done on karate in Okinawa. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of it is uh, either funded by the guy doing the research, i.e., yep. you know, he, he does it as a hobby. Or he's not affiliated or getting a a a kind of a research stipend from the prefectural government, and so that's why I think that there's probably still a lot of uh, errors, uh, mistakes, mm. and myths promulgated 
at places like the Karate Kaikan mm. and, and other places like that, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, yep. But I mean, you know, it's still, I mean, actual academic research into karate is still very, very young. So I have high hopes. Yep. All anyway, right, well, sorry. Uh, and that's the myth buffing, busting stuff. Yep. Yep. I, so, it's not as romantic as, you know, some of the, the oral histories, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, there's also the uh, myth busting with the belt system. You know, white belt is mm-hmm. pure. And then uh, yep. as it goes, it gets darker and darker. Yep. The more you train. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, if you were selling a book or if you're selling a DVD, that would make you more money than the actual truth. Mm. So, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, as, um, fa- as far as Corbador goes, why, what do you, why do you keep practicing it? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, it's fun. And uh, I do think that the bow and the sai at least have important physical training attributes that could be used to further improve or strengthen the karate moves. Mm-hmm. Like the bow, because you're very limited in how you can move, Yep, it makes, it should uh, be more reflective than uh, how most of us do karate in the modern age of how the, the movements of martial arts in the Edo era or Tokugawa period, Dukyu Kingdom would have been practiced and trained. Mm. I.e., you know, very restrictive clothing, all yep. of that stuff. Uh, the Sai, of course, uh, because it's a lightweight uh, uh, implement, well, like relatively lightweight limp implement that you do lots of fast repetition with, you know, fast mu- fast twitch muscle training, strengthening the wrists and the fingertips and uh, all mm. that stuff mm. uh, is an obvious uh benefit to saijutsu training and so I, I i look at it and also if you hit a wall in in your karate training you step back pick up a bow and do some bow for a while yeah maybe you'll get the inspiration back to go back to the empty hand stuff later on too so um you know, just, there's lots of benefits yeah just just on that point with uh uh when you're talking about the bojutsu there with the yep. restricted clothing um so there's there's a there's a lot of how would you say flashy movements you know uh big circular movements that look mm-hmm. that look pretty nifty but if you're wearing tight clothing restricted clothing then you could not do that movement so are you saying are so- you sort of implying that the shorter movements uh, mm, more Ryukyu Kobudo than the flashy, roundy Chinese Kung fu movements? Yes and no. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Well, thanks if, for coming no, on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no. The, 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 the no part, the no part comes to the back to the, not to really go full circle, but at the the uh, festival dances that use weapons, they have to be flashy, even mm-hmm. though they may have originally been based on a martial arts kata. I mean, the other the other idea is that the dances came first, and then Taira Shinken saw them, they look cool, and said, okay, this one is from Urasoe, so we're going to call this one Urasoe no Kon. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And we're going to make a martial arts kata out of that dance by adding a bunch of moves or doing a lot of repetition in it. And that's another uh, fully plausible idea of where some of the kata may have come from. But anyway, uh, mm. if you're doing the uh, the festival dance type of bojutsu, then the big flashy movements and the jumps and the spins uh, were probably already a part of it to begin with. If you're talking about using the bow as a weapon, and when I say weapon, I mean a, an instrument of dealing out as much damage as possible in as short a time as possible with economy of movement, then the short I don't I don't want to call them the shorter, but the the more linear yep. the types of it. movements, yep. uh, if if that's a that's a good word or not, but uh yep would probably be how they were done. And I look to actually, in one regard, Japanese swordsmanship as the inspiration for how I try to understand the biomechanics of old style bojutsu. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, as, as yeah, part of it, of course, you know, Japanese bow, uh, Chinese, I look into Chinese konjutsu, uh, but, but not, not the, the, not the wushu version, right? Yep. But I've got that old book on, you know, Shaolin staff fighting and all that from the 1600s. Uh, okay. But I, it seems to me that with the cultural trappings of Ryukyu being, you're wearing almost a Japanese style restricted, restrictive clothing in your daily life. Mm. You may have trained in your underwear, but you're not going to be fighting in your underwear. Unless it's a duel, and that's a whole different different thing, right? Yep. Uh, and so uh, the the movements of the kata and all of that, I think, probably would have had to be less flashy and more direct and to the point, almost linear in their in a lot of the the uh, application and and movement. So, mm. okay, does that make any sense at all? Um, I think we, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> thank you for coming <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah well I, I suppose again it comes back to is it kobudo or kobujutsu it's whatever you are comfortable with whatever mm -hmm. you are whatever now, you... Uh, I, I, I'm talking specifically about uh, the combative application yep in a historical context yep 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 yeah, okay yeah. yeah I mean for competition for demos for personal development yes the the chinese konjutsu uh inspired uh stuff is is first it's a heck of a lot of fun is a great workout looks great but as far as the historical combative application mm. would that have been how it was performed or not i guess is 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 the the age-old question and it doesn't matter because we don't live in that era but uh I just like that stuff. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so you you can like this uh, WKF Chaitan Yado Kusenku, mm -hmm. and you can like uh, Chaitan Yado Kusenku. So you can like two Chaitan Yado Kusenku because they are different. They are have a different quality. Yeah, they have a different purpose. So you. So there's it's an and rather than an or. Yes. Theory. Yeah. So I've, I've Kobudo, been trying, Kobujutsu. Yeah. yeah. Budo Bujutsu, right? Yeah. yeah. My favorite, Karate Jutsu. 
Karate Jitsu, yeah. Um, yeah, practical karate. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, applying karate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure why not, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to take a, a more of an and approach. For years, it was either it was either or an or. An or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm I'm trying to do. I think we're 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 mellowing in our old age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. That's right. It, it's it's got to have more of an and. Um, yeah, I you know, it, after all, it is 2023. It's 2023, baby. Um, it's not even 1823 anymore. No, no, unfortunately yeah. not. So, <laughs> I mean. Everything has to evolve. You, you can't cling on. You can't cling to something that was two hundred years ago because it just doesn't apply in twenty twenty three. Doesn't apply yep. to how we are now. You know the principles might be the same. Mm-hmm. The te- techniques might be different. Now, uh, I would. I don't want to say. I'm not going to say. I'm going to push back on that. I have a different opinion on applicable or not Mm. because if you're looking at it as a training method a very stoic training method rather than just you know uh learn a bunch of how to and beat people up but as a like a personal introspection style very zen like training method Mm. i do think that the 200 year old stuff does have a lot of application in today's day and age if you want to do it that way sure yep And it's not easy. It's really, really hard, right? I mean, it's a lot harder than anything I've ever done on any of the other sportive activities I've done growing up. You know, because, uh, you know, it's it's just harder for me anyway. Harder physically? Yes. Well, both physically and and, uh, I don't say emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Mm. Yep. Harder. And the... Uh, there's there's two aspects I think uh, that might be easy to understand. First and foremost, it requires a lot of isolation mm. exercises. Not like you isolate yourself from society, but you isolate the different parts of your body and move them in different ways at the same time. Yep. So rather than doing sure. these, yes. right. Uh, and the other one is. Uh, Especially if you have a mirror or uh, a video is not so good, like a mirror, and you see yourself mess up, you start over from the beginning. You don't continue that kata at all. Mm. Don't mess something up that you've already uh, – don't keep doing something you've already messed up. So the the concept of repetition for repetition's sake isn't really part of it. Mm. It's – you want every repetition to be the one that counts. And if you mess up, step away, come back and start over from one. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. So rather than going to failure, go to just before failure so that your last one is as perfect as your first one. And then you step away and then you come back. Does that yep. make sense? Yep. Yep. It also helps and with within that. It's yeah. Within that, it's all the isolation and, and the, you know, using the different, almost like the inner muscles of the body to lift your leg rather than the big muscles on the outside, stuff like that. That makes it really physically taxing mm. in one respect. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Okay. Let's, let's put it this way. The exhaustion that I feel at the end is not a happy euphoric exhaustion that you get after swimming 10 kilos. 
Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna lay down and not wake up for two weeks exhaustion. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, it is uh, it is muscle muscle taxing. Yes. Yep. And, uh, and, and also, uh, if you, or how you know, to release the muscles and use your tendons to move. Yep. Yeah, and things that things like that is brain taxing as well because mm. you're you you are you know your your brain is working overtime trying to tell that muscle to move. Hey, like this is not how we normally move, so I have to retrain my brain in my my right thigh to move left instead of right. Right, right, right. So it is very that's why yeah that's a mentally taxing as well. Yeah, I tell you what, um, it, it's also it is isolating in the fact also that uh, uh, I I know oh, actually I was talking about <laughs> Tawari Dawson um, the Invisible Sensei today in mm-hmm. my in my class in my black belt yeah. uh, yep. class. And very I, nice man, by the way. I met him uh, last week. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> mentioned his podcast and I said, Hey, does any, anybody else listen to his podcast? And there were maybe 12 black belts. None of them put <laughs> their hand up. I'm like, what? And so it is isolating in, uh, for somebody who's so, I don't want to say obsessed, but so in, in, in love or no, that's, that's not the right word either, but just so invested <laughs> in karate and Kubador. Right. Right. Um, I mean, uh, that's a big reason why I started the podcast was to talk to other people who were who were like me, right? Who just wanted to know more and more and more and more. Right. And uh I think uh at the end of the day, it is a solo endeavor. Mm. Yep. I mean, like like the the perfection of the movement itself. Yep. I mean, nobody can do that for you except you. And and once you've got it and to the point where, where you can practice on your own and don't need sensei there to correct you every five seconds then it becomes an even more isolated exercise because now you truly are on your own with the training yep. when you're doing it at home, right? And well, in class, you know, you still get yelled at every five seconds, but you're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that- I mean, it it almost becomes, uh, I I almost can kind of see where a lot of the the old masters became almost almost but not quite religious towards the ends of their lives based on their this very austere training principle mm. i you know you're 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 forced to look inward right yep like moving zen hey, moving i've heard zen. that somewhere before yeah <laughs> so but uh i i just find that part of it really rewarding as well yeah but you know the the uh it is a very lonely path once you go down that particular road. Uh, but, yeah. you know, if you can get together with your, your, your buddies who are all studying the same thing, you even just once a month and you kind of get a little bit of a feedback loop going on with other people in the same boat and you get the, you know, have the beers afterwards. Well, that's it's probably less lonely than it was back 200, 300 years ago. Probably less lonely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, well on on that, uh, did you have any anything else to to add to our uh, semi quabudor? Um, <laughs> um, I think we talked more about um, karate than we did quabudor, but yeah. anyway, that's um, all good. Just if I may, if the listeners out there are not doing quabudor yet, give it a try. 
Mm, yeah. For if sure. you're a karate person and you have access to a teacher who can guide you through some of the kobudo basics, give it a try. If you don't like it, you don't have to stick with it. But I, you know, because karate and gyukyu kobudo have always been described as two wheels on the same axis of a cart. Right? Yep. Or uh, two sides of the same coin, if you want to use that that analogy. Uh, so, you know, in Okinawa, they used to say uh, the karate man who doesn't also do the bow is half a karate man. Mm. So. Well, I, I would, I th- would think. Um, I mean, if, if somebody in my dojo wanted to learn more kobudo and they went to a different dojo to learn, I wouldn't have a problem with it. So exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, if if you go to your sensei and say, "Hey, sensei, I want to learn more kobudo," this dojo is teaching this. May I go and train there? Um, yep. Surely, I mean, we we get this really weird. You know, thing that we're so so that we're so stuck mm. in a dojo that we can't go to another dojo. Uh, like people are paying a membership fee to go to that dojo. Why can't they train another dojo? You know, right. Like, I, it, a lot of not, it kind of harkens back to almost a a military style loyalty that probably only really came about in even the Japanese martial arts in like the just before World War Two. Yep. If you look at all of the old past masters, at least in Okinawan karate, and a lot of the sword masters in Japan, they had more than one teacher yep. that 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 shaped their martial art into that unique sure. vision that was theirs. Some of them made a new style. Some of them just taught what their teachers taught them and they gave it a name. Yep. Some of them kept one line and used the other stuff as adjunct training. Yep. Well, but uh, it almost everybody had had a uh, various teachers that that shaped them. Well, you've got that and, you know, not the or, not the not just the one. Right, right. You know, you, you just keep adding and adding and adding to mm-hmm. to to your own. So, um, yeah, look, I've been right. doing doing kobudo since I was a kid. So, um, mm-hmm. not as not as not as much as I probably should be doing. But uh, but after tonight, oh man, I'm going to grab my bow and and go start. Smacking people around. <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing is, uh, I'd like to also kind of uh, mention here is that if you're a karate instructor who doesn't have kobudo in your repertoire, uh, there are probably kobudo groups out there that would welcome you and your students into their their kind of circle, so you can learn alongside your students, and then uh, you know. Uh, uh, later on, you know, kind of have kobudo classes at your own dojo, kind of, you know, uh, build up the the repertoire in that way as well. Yeah, uh, that's why I started uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm. Uh, I am a white belt, and it's in my dojo, so I can learn it. So, yeah. and then later in uh, ten years, I can start teaching yeah. it. Right, and that'll yeah. that'll be another tool in the belt yeah. of of the dojo as a. Not even just as as a a business, but also as a uh, a school to learn the multiple arts of fighting. Sure, definitely. Or wait, yep. the multiple art, arts of not fighting. Yeah, yeah well, that's correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for legal purposes, I had to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you can take you can take the American out of America. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, no, uh, and and uh, there there's a. Uh, you know, there's several 
good books on Kobudo in English that are coming out or that have been out for a while. Uh, if people are interested in, you know, that kind of thing as well. And, uh, you know, there's always YouTube. You can get a feel for what type of Kobudo you might be interested in. Yep. And then look for a teacher uh, in that particular uh, uh, yeah. methodology, I guess. Some are harder to talk to. Um, yep. Some are harder to join. You may have to go to different course, countries. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, but, I mean... Depending on where you're listening from, that there's mm-hmm. surely there's a there's a Kobudo school, or I mean, just look around for your local karate dojo to see if they teach Kobudo. Yeah, um, I know. Like in Australia, there's I, you know, like 30 years ago, there was a standalone Kobudo dojo in Brisbane mm-hmm. where I'm from. Oh, Ryukyu Kobudo. Yeah, Ryukyu Kobudo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and um. My father uh, learned from him for a while, and um, mm-hmm. but you know I don't think it. He's definitely not around any long any longer. But like just a standalone Riku Kobudo, no no karate. Interesting. So yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a thing thirty years ago, maybe twenty five yeah. years ago, something like that. Yep. Well, uh, hopefully, you can make it a thing again, uh, where all of the listeners are. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good and luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if you can't find a, a direct teacher, there's plenty of people online who can kind of guide you and mentor you as well. Yep. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, know, it's I'll not send the you, same as. Yeah, I'll online. send you Joe, Joe's yeah. uh, personal uh, phone number. And uh... oh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no worries. Um, although, although, if the interests are uh, the. Uh, Listeners are interested in joining a two dollar a month Patreon. Yes, my DMs are open for kind. Of, I don't want to say mentorship, but you know, questions about training in Japan or or advice from somebody who's been around in Japan for a while. Uh, in that particular regard, yes. Um, but uh, so we'll put the link in on how to to do to do that. But uh, so far, you sent an an, an email with the YouTube links. Fantastic. Have been all over those ones. Yep. Uh, uh, some of them aren't in English, but uh, yeah, sorry, you okay. can still see how they're moving. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, if you only limit it to what you can read and, uh, you know, what you can um, understand language-wise, yeah. you, it's, it's right. so small. Yeah. It's so small. Exactly. Yeah. You can get an idea. I mean, God, we've all listened to so much Japanese that you can get an, an idea on, you know, where they're sort of talking about what they're talking about, you get the vibe of it, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, and also, your first email was was our original chat to in uh, 2020, 2020 during the yeah, yeah. during the COVID crisis. The COVID crisis, yeah, yeah. Which which uh, which started the this podcast. So uh, without that, I, I wouldn't have had a podcast. So thank you very much for that, Jane. No, well, thanks for the opportunity. No, it's awesome. So, yeah. guys, make sure you you jump on and and support Joe with his was two bucks. Yep, two dollars. Two dollars a month. Two dollars a month. Jim, come on, surely we can, yeah. we can all we can all jump on that. All right. Well, uh, any any last thoughts there, Joe? Um. Nope, not that immediately come to mind that won't last four hours. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I have to do this good. again real soon. Yep, no worries. Yep. Thanks, buddy. Thanks.